You're listening to the City World Radio Network, high-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world, www.cityworldradio.com. Welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Uh, thrilled to be here tonight with some amazing women as my guests. But I'm, before I get into that, I'm going to do a very quick intro. So as hopefully you are return listeners and to my new listeners, this is our third show for Morph Mom Moments. And every Thursday night, we'll be coming to you presenting stories of women around the world, actually, and hopefully helping others in whatever journey they're trying to go through right now. Um, before we get into this, I want to sort of explain what a morph mom is and exactly how this came to be, because that's usually the first question. What is a morph mom? It makes no sense. So a very quick um, introduction and genesis into how this began. Morph Mom is a website, and it's morphmom.com, M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com. And I founded this about four years ago. And basically, I used to be a prosecutor many, many, many years ago, decades, sadly, I can say that. And I stopped after the second of my third kids and always with the intention of going back. Well, 14 years goes by. And as I've said to those who've heard this before, it felt like, you know, a day had gone by. So I waltzed back in thinking I'm back. And they were sort of like, who are you? So 14 years later was sort of a rude awakening. What was I going to do? I couldn't just walk back into a courtroom. And quite frankly, I don't think it would have been in the best interest of anybody if I just walked back into that courtroom after that amount of time. So I really went through a bit of an ordeal, you know, the loss of confidence. Who am I? What am I good at? Was I ever good at anything? And now will I ever be good at anything again? And where do I begin? So I thought, well, I've read many, many children's books. And again, I apologize to those who have heard this before, but um, decided I'll write a children's book and terrified of someone's reaction and just automatically assuming their reaction would be, you are not a writer. Who do you think you are? I kept it very private. So in the middle of the night, I tried to figure out how to publish a book. It was impossible. I couldn't get an answer. I basically couldn't work the internet to begin with. And um, finally, accidentally told someone, a good friend of mine, enormously big mistake. And as I said, I've written a children's book. And literally, and again, I apologize to those who've heard this before, I tried to push the words back into my mouth as they were coming out because I knew I had just unleashed Pandora's box with this. And I said, well, it's out there. I did it. I'm, I've written a children's book. There it is. And without hesitation, a woman, a friend of mine of 13 years, 
didn't utter a sound, but with complete and utter disgust, rolled her eyes, sighed, and walked away. So had to figure out what to do with that. Um, Kicked in the stomach, really did not help my confidence issue at the time, but really at the same time was one of the best things that's ever happened to me because I realized no one, oh, we already have a caller. Um, We're going to take this caller and I'll get back to my very long story. Morph Mom moments. Oh, oh, I think we lost them. Oh, okay. I will. That could have been the clue to speed through this introduction. So I'll go much more. I get it. I got the signal. Anyway, speeding through this, I believed no one should ever be made to feel like I was made to feel. A and B. There's so many women out there who had done it. Whatever it is, whatever they thought they always wanted to do, something that they'd always stayed with but it adjusted or something they never intended to do but as a result of life and things happen that you don't expect you adjust you figure it out and there were so many women out there with stories that they could share to all of us that I thought why don't I go out there I knew how to interview I'm going to document these stories so hence Morph Mom was born and I want to make sure people understand that the original name Morph Mom was because that's where I was coming from as a mom but over the past few years, it has completely morphed into including all women's stories. We're all mothers in a sense that we all take care of others, and that's really the theory behind this. So it's sharing a story, a woman's story, as long as it will help somebody else. The website grew as well. It, it's still, I have over 500 interviews from around the country. There is a uh, sort of a profile within Morph Mom as well. So if you see a video and you need to connect further, Within Morph Mom, in a very private way, you can connect on the website. Again, M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com. I now host events around the country connecting people on a human level. And now it's the third show of the radio show. And this is all very exciting. Uh, I want to say that I'm here tonight with a fellow Morph Mom, Lisa Berkery, who comes around the country with me, basically, and has been at my side and one of my biggest supporters in the world. And she's here. She's a phenomenal photographer. Lucky for us. She's here with phone in hand tonight, taking pictures. And if you want to see what's going on, they're going to be posted live on Facebook, I think Twitter, if we can figure out my password, and Instagram. So keep following through tonight, because this is very exciting for us tonight to figure this out. And I also want to mention that there are live callers. So please call in 212-631-7553. So all throughout the next hour, and I know you're going to have questions, and I know you're going to want to speak to the women I'm about to introduce you to, because they are phenomenal. Take this opportunity to speak with these women. Um, and without further ado, and now that you have the phone number, I, I'm going to let my amazing guests introduce themselves. A fellow Morphoms, by the way. Um, so why don't we begin? Michelle? Thank you, Kathleen. Your message really resonates with me, and what you're doing is fantastic for for uh, helping uh, women um, around the world. So thank you for inviting me to tonight's discussion. I'm so delighted to be here. Um, I am a nutritional therapist, and foremost, I am a mom of two dynamic, incredible children, Ava and Matthew, who I uh, call them my food critics as well. Um, and they happen to be the greatest uh, teachers uh, in my life. They have been my greatest teachers. Um, so now I work uh, one-on-one with uh, clients, helping them um, gain more confidence in their food choices and uh, help them with their wellness to make them happier and healthier in their lives. Um, I'm also working at a local college, developing um, health talks for the programs and helping students. So that's very exciting. I'm very happy to be here. And I have to interrupt for one second and say how 
apropos and important that is you are here tonight because as you will see through Lisa's pictures, if you follow us tonight on Facebook and Instagram, we are sitting here drinking homemade bone broth that Michelle made. It is unbelievable. My dinner tonight was Sour Patch Kids and a Coke. <laughs> we this have a lot could, to talk about. <laughs> this, this could not be more important and necessary right now. Yes. So I just wanted to throw that in. Enjoy. Um, so I'm so happy you're here. Beth? Hi, I'm, I'm Beth Lambert, and I am the executive director of a nonprofit organization called Epidemic Answers. And I um, am also the author of a book called A Compromised Generation, which looks at the epidemic of chronic illness in our children. And um, I am also running a project called the Documenting Hope Project, which we'll get into more uh, later, but it is something I am beyond passionate and enthusiastic about, and it ties right into all the things that Michelle just talked about with nutrition and educating people about um, good health. So I'm excited to have the opportunity to talk about this. So thanks for inviting us on. Thrilled you're here. And Mary? Hi, um, I'm Mary Toulouse. Um, I am the head of development and fundraising uh, for Documenting Hope. I'm also on the board of Epidemic Answers with Beth. Um, I am the mother of um, eight-year-old twins, Annie and Connor. Um, and uh, I run a home program for my son, Connor, um, who has autism. And I will be sharing more about that and uh, lots more about that, actually, and how it connects with all these women here um, in a little bit. This is very, very exciting, and I love having everybody here tonight. And I'm just going to repeat the number one more time, 212-631-7553. And Lisa Berkery is ready and waiting to get the phone <laughs> and take pictures. Um, so basically, we're going to go back, and I'm going to ask you all about your journeys to how you got there. And I'm going to ask Beth to start because I think, really, we, you all came together because of Beth. So, Beth, if you would share sort of how this all began. How did you end up where you are today? And sort of the steps that you took to get there. Yeah, so I was just reflecting as Mary and as Michelle just mentioned, their kids, I forgot to mention that I am the mother of three kids. And actually, that's the epicenter of my life. And also how I got involved in everything I'm doing today. It started with my kids. I, um, you know, I had my first child. Um, I had been doing healthcare consulting before and teaching. And after I had my first child, you don't know anything about uh, what children are supposed to do, what's normal, what's not normal. But um, by the time my firstborn was probably about two, three years old, there started. Uh, she started showing some symptoms that I knew in my mother's gut were not normal. So we went to all different kinds of doctors looking for answers. You know, what kinds of why did she have these GI symptoms and why did she have these behavioral symptoms and skin rashes and things that eluded a diagnosis? We went and knocked on every conventional medical door you could imagine, and um, didn't get any answers. And finally. We ended up in the office of an integrative physician who said, oh, well, all of these symptoms your child has, they're because there are all these underlying imbalances physiologically, things that had to do with nutritional deficits, even though she was getting a good diet, things that had to do with inflammation in her body, which had to do with exposures in her environment. So as I went through that learning process, um, I started, I had this awakening, um, this understanding that our kids, not just my child, because as soon as you see it in your own child, you start to recognize it in other people's children, our kids were very, very sick. When I say sick, I'm talking about um, things that we didn't really see in kids, you know, just a few decades ago, things like autism, things like ADHD, asthma, allergies, sensory processing disorder, learning disabilities, gastrointestinal disorders. I could go on and on and on, but everybody I knew, every parent I knew, and as a new parent, every parent was dealing with some health issue with their child. And I knew enough to know 
that that's not what parenthood is about. Parenthood is not about having sick kids. Parenthood is about learning all the wonderful nuances of what it means to be a parent, but it isn't about managing illness. So um, I was in grad school at the time. As I was managing this with my own child, and I was learning that the, that she could reverse her symptoms by through nutrition, through cleaning up her environment, through doing specialized, personalized kind of therapeutics. And as I was learning about that, I was researching it through my graduate school program, and I ended up writing a thesis that turned into a book that really delves into why on earth do we have so many sick kids today? We have one in two American kids with a chronic illness. That is breathtaking. It was 1.6% of American kids that had a chronic illness just 50 years ago, and now we're looking at 54%, one in two. So I looked at all the environmental factors as to you know what might be contributing, and, and that's sort of what got me on this journey. That is where I am today, is to not just raise awareness um, about what's happening to our kids, but also to share the good news that there's a whole lot that we can do. And I did this for my own kids. I got them on the road to recovery, and they're healed, and they're thriving, and they're doing great. Um, and I want that for other parents, too. Now, I'm going to go back to one thing you said, and this is a very basic question but for those out there who are not familiar. When you said you'd gone through sort of conventional doctors, and then you went to an integrative doctor, can you explain exactly what that is and what that entails? Sure. Um, and when I say conventional doctors, what I, what I mean is most physicians um, today have been trained by conventional medical schools where um, we, they're trained in a system where they look at the symptoms that somebody has, and they use the tools that they have in their handbag to treat those symptoms. So if you have a fever, they'll give you a, a fever-reducing medication. If you have uh, pain, they'll give you a, a pain medication. But they're not looking at why you have the fever or why you have the pain, or they're not looking at the root causes of the symptoms. That's just not how our medical system is set up. So an integrative physician or somebody who practices what's called functional medicine is really a more holistic approach, and it's really focused on looking at root causes um, and trying to understand what might have precipitated an illness rather than what can we do to suppress the symptoms. Because the reality is when you suppress symptoms, people don't get better. They just sort of, it sort of pushes the symptoms off for a little while, but the root cause is still there. So it's actually 21st century medicine. It's the way that all medicine should be practiced, and more and more physicians are moving that way. But it's just not how our medical schools are set up right now. So these physicians are getting training after medical school and learning a better way to actually treat, manage, treat and um, manage chronic illness. And what I will say is that conventional medicine does something that's really amazing and awesome, and that's acute care, emergency medicine. Um, but when we're talking about chronic illnesses, conventional medicine isn't doing a great job, unfortunately. So tell me now, so you, you wrote your book, came out, and then you tell me what stemmed from that. So after I wrote my book, I started um, a nonprofit organization uh, in an effort to really continue to do whatever I could to reach as many people as I could, as many parents of affected children as I could. Part of this was because as I was writing my book, I interviewed a lot of parents and physicians and researchers, and, and mostly I was compelled by the stories of the parents who had reversed these conditions in their kids. I mean, children who had autism at age four who didn't have autism after intensive recoveries, or children who had ADHD at age eight who changed their diet and changed a few lifestyle things and then dropped their ADHD diagnosis and symptoms. Those stories really compelled me, so I wanted to do more, and that's why I started a nonprofit organization, Epidemic Answers to try and educate more people. And also, one of the other missions of Epidemic Answers is to connect 
parents to healing resources, to the practitioners who know how to do this work, to the people like Michelle. Michelle's an example of a practitioner who does this kind of work and works intimately with families and teach them, teaches them how to cook and, and how to make lifestyle changes. But people don't know that, that Michelle's out there. You know, it's not, it's not their first place to go. They go to their pediatrician, and they kind of dead end there. So our hope is to connect people to the resources that are out there. Um, and then that led into the Documenting Hope Project, which is uh, it's a science and media project where we're hoping to document that recovery happens, both document it scientifically and document it on film. So that's sort of the trajectory of how things evolved for me. And that's where I'm going to ask Mary to explain how she became involved. But, but also just for those listening, the word is not to not go to your pediatrician if your child is sick. This is more... I, I, I actually explained that as well. We're not, the suggestion is not that you don't do that. You definitely do that. But on top of this, this is delving into the chronic problem to, to curing the overall as opposed to the immediate symptomatic issues. I think it's, is that what? Right. I mean, there's, it's just taking a different approach. So I think one of the things is, is there's a lot of parents out there who are struggling. Their children have ADHD and they're managing them with, them with Ritalin or they're managing with them with Stratera or some kind of medication, but their kids still aren't improving. It's not helping the symptoms enough. And they're, they know that there's something else going on with their child. So while you can go to your pediatrician and you can get your prescription medication to manage the symptoms today, if you really want to know why their symptoms are there in the first place is there's a different kind of practitioner out there who can help help you do that work. And that's what I actually, it, you know, I just did for both of my children. Um, and this is Mary, just sorry, so everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, and I actually just did that. You know, I actually, it's my choice. Um, and I, you know, just went um, up to Connecticut to our integrated physician. She is a pediatrician. She's an MD. But she focuses on children specifically with autoimmune conditions. Um, and even though my daughter doesn't have autoimmune conditions, well, now that I've seen through her lab work, actually she does, because some of her testing came out actually not that great and almost a little bit worse than Connor's was. And it was interesting, you know, some and labs that we did. And it's that kind of detail and that kind of focus. I mean, they, we do testing, um, you, know, reg, you know, blood testing, lab, um, all different labs, stool, hair. Um, so it, as we said, it's a holistic approach. It's the whole body. And again, like Beth said, this doctor is looking more at what are the root causes of what's going on then, okay, just tell me what the symptoms, you know, were this week. Like, she'll go back and ask me, you know, and most and all integrative doctors do. Like, you know, it's not about, like, what just happened last week. It's like, tell me about your pregnancy and tell me about your mother's pregnancy. And it is as you get as holistic as you can get with that approach. Now, you've mentioned um, your twins. Yes. I'm going to ask you now to tell us your story and how it was you became involved with Beth and this just tremendous project the Documenting Hope Project that everybody's involved with now. Um, so as I mentioned, I have eight-year-old twins. Um, my daughter Annie was actually born with a um, craniofacial condition called hemifacial microsomia. And so she was sort of our, our big focus for the first year or so. And then, um, you know, around just before the age of two, I, you know, I just kept on noticing that Connor, you know, just wasn't talking as much as Annie. And we were always writing things down about Annie, but nothing really about Connor and you know like he was you know the, the major milestones were great the physical ones were great but when it came to the talking and when it came you know there were just it wasn't there and you know through my you know visits to the pediatrician and it was just the typical answers of you know well he's talking for her and oh you know boys they're just always a little bit far behind and I just in my gut was like that's just not the answer I, I, I want to hear like where am I going to go with that 
And so I just finally asked my daughter's speech therapist, because at the time she was getting speech, and she said, why don't you just get him evaluated? And so I did, proactively on my own. And lo and behold, you know, the words were said to me, you know, I'm sorry, your son has autism. And it was like this moment that I just, I so vividly remember that I was like, I, I heard it. I wasn't in denial, but I knew from that moment that I was like, we're going to beat this. Like, there's no question. Like, and still to this day, I, I can, I just, I have it in my head that I will, and I, I, I know I, we will overcome this. And so I started, I started with, you know, diet. I read Jenny McCarthy's book right away. And, you know, I started on things on my own. But then I slowly realized researching and everything, like, I, I, I have to find people to help me. But it was all on my own. And it was this very odd, lonely place for a while that I couldn't believe I, I had this major diagnosis, but I felt like I was doing so much of the work on my own. Of course, my husband has been there and is always there and we're a great team together, but you feel like as parents that, you know, there could be like, where's someone, a professional to help me with this? And so, you know, I just kept on researching, kept on researching and, um, you know, throughout my time, I did some pretty conventional stuff for Connor, but always on the side, I was doing very integrative, holistic approaches to his recovery. A lot of biomedical um, approaches. I don't mean to interrupt, but like, what examples would you say of, of some of the, what you were doing at that time? So, you know, right away, I looked into diet because I just knew it was just very, it just made sense to me that you are what you eat and I need to figure out, am I putting something in him that is, you know, just affecting him? So I looked into nutrition, I looked into biomedical doctors, and a, a lot of that involves doing labs and getting, like, results back, seeing where he is nutritionally, um, looking at his immune system, looking looking at his digestive system, um, you know, doing a lot of work with supplements because a lot of these kids are nutritionally deficient. Um, they just can't absorb the nutrition from the foods like typical kids can. Um, and so a lot of that kind of work, plus all the therapeutic work, you know, with the body, you know, a lot of OT and a lot of um, speech therapy and things like that. So then fast forward, I want to say, to about 2002. 12, I was, um, I, it happened where I just got three emails at different times from different mothers and therapists about this documentary that this girl, Beth Lambert, is starting. And so I saw the first one and I ignored it. Sorry, Beth. And I saw the second one. And then by the third one, I mean, totally different people, not even connected. And I finally started watching this quick trailer that she had. And what I noticed was it was like all these stories of these families and with their children struggling with these ill you know with these conditions like asthma and ADHD and autism and allergies you name it and all of them struggling to try to help their children and what these parents were going through but when I looked closely all of a sudden I was like I know that practitioner's sofa I know that office I I've and it was like seeing our lives but just with different people on the screen and so basically, I was like, I've got to get in touch with this girl. And another um, woman that I become fr friends with said, I just watched it. We have to help this woman. So we started um, our first fundraiser for Beth, and we reached out to her, and she kindly was like, "Oh, yes, I yeah, love bring fundraiser." It on. <laughs> and so we started a fundraiser back then, and, um, and and I don't mean to interrupt, but because we hadn't gotten to that, when did you begin the documentary? Like, when Mary did you come in? How long at the documentary? been going before Mary got involved with it. So, uh, the, yeah, 
the documentary um, actually hasn't even technically begun. We are, this is a massive, broad, huge, groundbreaking project, and it's taken a lot of time to build up all the science and all the infrastructure to make this happen. But what I had done by the time I met Mary is I had made a video to get some help because we had this idea, and the idea was to take a small group of children who are impacted, kids who have different diagnoses, autism, ADHD, allergies, autoimmune conditions, take these kids and give them everything they need to heal, food, nourishing environments, um, an environment that is non-toxic, all the specific therapies that they would need. What if we threw everything we have and everything we know how to do at these kids and we documented it on film? It would be completely mind-blowing because right now most people in the world think recovery is not possible. If you have autism, you're going to always have it. If you have Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis or peanut allergy, you will always have it. That's what we're told, and that's not true. It's not true because there's hundreds of cases of people who have reversed these conditions. But as Mary said, they're doing it on their own. They're these parents who are isolated, and they don't have the help because they don't know where to go for it. So the, the genesis of this project was to, um, to begin raising money find the practitioners, and find the families, and bring all of those pieces together. So when I met Mary, I had just made a film trailer that was like, I don't know, a couple minutes long, yeah. and I was like, just somebody help me. Like, I put it out to the universe, somebody help me get this done, and I was on my own at that point, and since then, I have come to know the most amazing people. I mean, all of you women in this room with me right now are a part of this because you all know the need to do this, to demonstrate that this is done, to, to document the science, not just to document it on film. So yes, we're doing a documentary film, but we are documenting the science so that we can teach other doctors and practitioners how to do this for more kids. And you have a team of doctors involved with the project as well. That's right. We have, um, I don't know, close to maybe 25 medical advisors of, from all different kinds of um, healing modalities and experiences and skill sets. And um, we have an, an advisory board in addition to that. So there's, you know, including our staff, our team members, all of our advisors, we're close to 50 people. I think we kind of call ourselves the coalition of the willing because we are just um, people who know the importance of, of what's happening to our kids. And it's kind of like we have all these sick kids, sick people. We have a sick planet. This is really, really significant moment. And it's, it's our time to do something about it. So Mary, I didn't mean to interrupt you before. So that, so you hear about, well, yeah. the planets align. You were definitely supposed to meet Beth at some yeah, point, somehow, that, right? <laughs> there, there's no question you two were supposed to meet because yeah. you are a dynamic duo together as well. Unbelievable team. So you hear about Beth, you reach out to her for the fundraiser, and so tell me what happens then. So we throw our first fundraiser. It was great. It was in Stamford, Connecticut, because most of the women were from the Connecticut, Westchester area. Um, and then we continue to follow after that, trying to help support Beth and, um, and the project. But what the great thing was is that throughout these couple of years of doing this, what we did was we raised enough money at one point. We're still in major funding um, time frame, but... Um, what we did, I think it was around probably 2014, is when we shifted just to a documentary film but to a science and media project. And I think that's what really changed things so much um, because there's, there are anecdotal films and books about children who have recovered. But when you want to represent that and show that to a policymaker or to a person in the medical community, to your doctor, to your own pediatrician, to anybody to prove, like, hey, this really, this happened. This child was diagnosed with you know, ADHD or this child was diagnosed with diabetes or this child was diagnosed with junior rheumatoid arthritis. 
and now they're not, you know, and here's the story, they might not necessarily believe it because it's anecdotal. And so what Beth wanted to do and the medical advisory board that she's pulled together, which is an amazing team of people, um, and they wanted to put science into this project, which is what you need. So, you know, if you want to share a little bit about the whole science um yeah, there's, um, we are so blessed to, um, to have this project guided by Dr. Martha Herbert, who is a pediatric neurologist at Harvard Medical School and at Mass General Hospital. And um, she's our medical director and principal investigator for this project. And, um, and she, along with Dr. Russell Jaffe, who is um, a fellow of the Health Studies Collegium, uh, have helped assemble an amazing group of medical advisors. I'm, I'm on our website, documentinghope.com, you can see the full list of medical advisors. But the thing I will say about these people People is that they are skilled. They um, they understand the type of medicine I discussed before about going for the root causes rather than suppressing symptoms. But more than that, I would say they're all humanitarians, and they are all interested in, in, in changing the way that we practice medicine. And none of them think it's okay that we have one and two sick kids in this country. They're all, you know, they're, they're like me and Mary and Michelle, and we all feel like this is unacceptable, but we're all feeling very proactive and motivated to, to do something about it. So that scientific team is um, really kind of the the cornerstone of this project. So we're really excited to have all of those advisors backing this. So Mary, I have a question. Um, so you became involved with the fundraising. You're very, very, you're on the board now as well and very yeah. involved. With be, with with coming on to Documenting Hope and with your own families, have you started to incorporate that with your families and well? And if so, how? And I know that's where Michelle comes in as well. But can you tell us about that? Within my own family? Yes. So, like with your own family experience now with becoming involved in Documenting Hope and, and yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's interesting. I feel like I, I sort of do have like two jobs. Um, you know, one is that we're now, we, have a, we homeschool our son. Um, we have a great program that if not for Beth and the Documenting Hope people that I'm involved with, nothing I have actually, been, there's not one thing that I'm presently doing for my children right now. There's no way I would not be doing it if not for Documenting Hope and the journey that I've been on and the people that I've I've met. Um, so, you know, for example, I just, you know, I do, I feel like I, I sort of run this home program for my son. And then I also, at the same time, I still feel like I am, you know, talking with moms all the time about how I can help them. You know, someone just emailed me the other day about a cousin, you know, they were out at a family gathering over the holidays, you know, and he's not speaking, he's not making eye contact and, you know, what can I do? And boom, sent the email. I'm like, can you know, can well, what's going on? Can you give me a little more information from the mom? You know, um, what was he like? You know, as a child, what did he was he nursing well? Did he, you know, how are his how are his bathroom situation? I mean, we really get detailed, and I feel like you know, I'm asking questions that maybe their pediatrician or their generic you know doctor or their internist might not be asking. So these are the kind of things I'm doing on the sidelines now. And I do it, and I'm not sitting here patting myself on the back or anything. I do it because it's it's like so a part of what this whole thing is to me is, you know, I truly believe in this. I truly believe that, you know, we should be living in a world of, you know, not worried about always, you know, kids being sick, but kids being well. And how do we maintain that? And so to have, you know, other children get better and that I've potentially maybe helped a little bit. It's just another, you know, another person realize it and it keeps it going and it keeps it going to the next person that this needs to change. You know, I'm not just doing this for, for Annie and Connor, my kids. I'm, I'm doing this for so many other children out there. It needs, it needs to be out there that, that, you know, the way that we look at our kids' health is, needs to change. Now that leads me to Michelle. 
And Michelle, and I know you explained what you did, but can you tell how you became involved with this as well I'm and so, with this amazing group I'm of women? I'm so glad you remembered me. <laughs> I, I feel like a bone broth left alone on the stove. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just joking. i got to bring it back to cooking. But for those of you who are not in the studio, I can't stop eating the bone broth, so don't worry. I will not forget you at all. And actually, I just want to mention the call-in number again, 212-631-7553. Um, and please feel free to call in and ask anything, and especially the bone broth recipe. <laughs> Sure. So, uh, ask me a question again, Kathleen. Okay, I, so I tell me, Michelle, so mm-hmm. uh, sort of your journey as well. So now you're involved in sure. nutrition, but a combination of your journey to how you became involved with that and how you became involved with Mary and Beth as well. Well, um, I'll take you back to when I was a fashion and food stylist. So cooking and um, and styling was very much a part of my life. I'm enthusiastic about about uh, food, um, and so when I had my first baby, um, the styling world and the travel, you know, took me to faraway places, and it wasn't very conducive to being the parent that I wanted to be. And so I decided to stay home, and so the creative outlet was my kitchen. And um, the, the, the flavors and the ingredients became my, my new palate. And I would create these foods for my dish and a colorful plate. And uh, I always took a lot of pride in feeding my daughter homemade baby food. So it really crushed me and hit me hard um, to, to, to realize that my daughter wasn't thriving. Um, she had many health issues and symptoms, and um, I felt very alone. So I am and so can grateful. Can I ask you what, when you said many symptoms, how old was she when you first noticed At, at a at very tender age, at five, six, seven, she had a series of conditions like um, eczema, uh, sinusitis, uh, 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 various ear, ear infections. Um, she wasn't gaining weight. Every year I would take her back. Every six months, the doctor's like, she's not, she's not gaining weight. She's not growing. Um, and she's like, what are you feeding her? And she would say, give her ice cream, give her ice cream. And all of these foods, you know, um, really weren't the proper way to feed that child. And this is that word, bio-individuality, is really important. She she needed something else. Um, and something was really going on. And I went from doctor to doctor, and I wasn't getting the answers to very complicated questions. And really, the simple, you know, complicated questions have simple answers, really. And I started to go back and prescribe nutrients instead of the prescription drugs that they were trying to suppress uh, these symptoms with. Um, and I felt um, that was what I knew as a parent. I always went back towards what I knew was comfortable. So I started to investigate uh, uh, diet and nutrition. And uh, once I started to replace some foods, because I don't like the elimination, especially talking to children, it's w- more about replacing foods. So I replaced uh, wheat and dairy with other alter- alternative foods. And I did this all on my own. So I give... <coughs> Big thanks to Beth and Mary what they're doing because it, their website is a wealth of information and support for parents out there. So you do not have to feel alone. You could really uh, join this tribe of moms and parents and come together and really help one another because, uh, you know, when your child is not thriving, everything else in your life, you know, suffers. So, um, so mm-hmm. yes. So, so, you know, fast forward to today, you know, once I replaced – uh, foods that were nourishing her, um, she gained 10 pounds. She grew three inches within six months. All of these symptoms were reduced. Um, 
her school teachers were like, oh, thank, thank you for medicating your child. And I said, I'm sorry, this was all done through uh, diet and supplementation. Um, and they were just shocked. Um, so yes, you know, uh, they, you know, uh, I was told that she would be forever on a pharmaceutical drug for the rest of her life, and I just wasn't going to 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 accept that um, at, at the age of six. So um, with severe ADHD and um, uh, and other different learning disabilities, she is thriving, and she is just this dynam- dynamo of a kid, um, and. Uh, that empowered me to go into um, my own education because I needed to uh, understand more of the biochemistry. I became a real geek, and I wanted to understand what uh, uh, these nutrients were doing into the body and the, and the biochemistry of the body. So uh, I, um, I stumbled on Weston A. Price, and this was a great, a great foundation on nutrition. He was sort of the, uh, I call him the, the founder of nu- nu- nutrition. And uh, that led me to uh, another great organization organization called the Nutritional Therapy Association. And it's a, it's a wonderful uh, 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 experience and education because they give you a good science um, and well as a clinical assessment to help people. Um, and they have a wonderful philosophy of the five foundations and these, these, <coughs> these, this biochemistry of, of balancing these five foundations. And one of the, uh, the, the foundations is digestion. Next is essential fatty acids, hydration, minerals, and blood sugar. And once those, uh, those biomarkers are in balance, your optimal health is, 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 is there. Um, and also the mantra of... Um, a properly prepared whole foods nutrient dense lifestyle and i also try to avoid the word diet because diet to me seems so restrictive if you have a whole foods nutrient dense you know properly prepared foods you're set you're set you don't have to go from one diet to the next and to the next you really have this beautiful foundation to support the the biochemistry um so um yeah and i'm really really very very passionate to 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 spread the, the, the nutrients around. <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, and probably not the best example of this with the Coke and the Sour Patch Kids, very embarrassing. We'll, <laughs> but the, we'll get to you. But we'll the bone broth you, is Kathleen. definitely working right now. Can you tell me, especially I'm your prime audience right now, and starting from zero, I yeah. don't even know. I walk into the store. I don't know where to begin. Where do you begin? Well, that's a great question, and um, I I understand that cooking can be very intimidating, especially in our modern-day hurry-up lifestyles, but the foods that I brought today are traditional foods, but I I think um, they're traditional foods that have been around for hundreds of years. but they, but I think they really do apply to our modern day cu- culture right now because um, they, they could be the new fast food. I literally, you know, on a Sunday, spend maybe twenty minutes chopping up some some cabbage for for uh, lacto fermented vegetables, and they sit on my counter for five days to do their magic, and then I have these wonderfully preserved uh, vegetables throughout the winter. It's not only uh, uh, sustainable but accessible to all and, and quite economical, uh, and not only. Uh, do they um, 
enhance the flavor of your food. They provide uh, powerhouses of nutrients to you. And I, I, I don't even know where to begin. I'm very excited about these, 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 these foods because as a nutritional therapy, the first thing I, I recommend to clients are you know, a bone broth and a lacto-fermented vegetable to sort of train their palates to these traditional foods. So a bone broth, where do you begin? <laughs> it's so simple. You know, it's, it's, quite a, it's, it's just assembling a few ingredients, you know, uh, something that's so soothing like, and, and nourishing. You start off with a chicken carcass or a whole chicken, uh, a few aromatics, and aromatics are your garlic or your leeks and your onions, and then you combine it with, you know, some vegetables like carrot and celery, and basically you put that in a stock pot or even a, a slow cooker. Um, I do it before I go to bed, and I wake up with this aroma in my kitchen, and I get to sip on this beautiful elixir of health, um, and 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 the the culinary magic that comes out of it. That's just the beginning of it, because chefs and and traditional cultures around the world have known this for for a long time. That that that's just your base. You can jump off of that and make soups and and and, and stews from it. Um, um, so yes, it's delicious, but now I get to geek out on the nutrients. <laughs> so within the carcass and the bones that you put in, and you can have um, all types of, of of broths. You can even use a fish fish bones, which I think are left behind a bit of a fish stock. It's fish stocks are used in a lot of Asian cultures, but what's so fasc- fascinating about a fish stock is that you're able to use the heads of a fish. And there inside that is the thyroid gland. And then that thyroid hormone hormone actually helps a lot of people with uh, uh, thyroid uh, disease uh, because you're getting the benefit of that hormone. So if you're fatigued and you're suffering from, from this condition, just sipping on a, a fish broth does wonders for your health. Um, again, it's also so, so quite delicious. Um, so... Uh, so then the bones, the bones uh, that are in either a chicken carcass or your, your shanks or your, um, uh, your bone marrow, those bones uh, contain uh, minerals, minerals like calcium, magnesium, potassium. These, um, these minerals represent maybe 4% of our body, but they're so elusive, you know, uh, uh, but yet so important for uh, uh, opt- optimal health because they act as cofactors in our body. And we are deficient in so many minerals because of so many reasons why you can go on and on about it, the soil depletion, um, and just because our body always depletes them. So it's very hard to, to maintain them. So there, right there, you're just getting a, a big powerhouse of nutrients. Um, and then I have to talk about, because we're women and, and, and we need collagen as we, we, as we grow and, and wiser and older, you know, and this is the gelatin. And the gelatin you get uh, uh, from, from uh, this type of broth. And the, the gelatin is also another, uh, it aids in digestion. And that is also key, you know, to the, the five foundations as a nutritional therapy. You know, you can have um, the best uh, foods and the best uh, way of eating, but if your body is not assimilating these nutrients into the cells, um, then it's it's really uh, uh, you're really not not working with your body. So. The gelatin acts as this digestive aid, and I just find it fascinating because it helps with uh, uh, the production and stimulation of your gastric juices in in your in your um, 
in your stomach. And it's sort of like a, a myth that we need less stomach acid because of all these conditions that we are, are hearing about, GERD and, and uh, gastric uh, reflux. So um, it really does pull um, uh, the gastric juices. The gelatin is, is, is water uh, attractive. It's, it, it attracts water. So it's, it's actually bringing the, gra- uh, the gastric gastric juices to the food uh, to digest and chelate all of the minerals and the proteins. So it really is uh, uh, helpful for uh, people with so many conditions, especially children, because um, it's so easy to assimilate these these uh, quality proteins into, into their gut. And that's another key item to mention is that it's gut healing. Uh, it builds up and heals and seals the gut, which a lot of kids are suffering from leaky gut uh, issues. I just want to add something on um, to what Michelle is saying here is that, you know, we can look at the statistics. We can see one in two kids are really, really sick with some kind of inflammatory condition, asthma, ADHD, autism. All these things have an inflammatory component. And what she's talking about with bone broth is it's nourishing the body so that the body can actually fight those conditions. And if you take a child and you do um, nutritional tests on them. A child who has anxiety or pandas or um, some kind of mood disorder or any one of these inflammatory conditions like asthma or allergies, you're going to find on their tests that they're missing nutrients. You could feed them the best diet in the world and they're still going to be missing nutrients. And part of that reason is because of what we've done to our microbiome, which is all the, the the micro microbes that live in your gut, they help you absorb and synthesize nutrients. And we've taken too many antibiotics. We've exposed, we're exposed to too many chemicals so that we as human beings on this planet right now are having a really hard time absorbing nutrients. So what Michelle's talking about with this delicious, wonderful bone broth is it's a really quick, easy way to get nutrients into your body. While it's healing and sealing the gut because of those proteins. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and I, just to add to that, you know, the immunity, there's 85% of our immunity lies in our gut. Hypocrisy says, says it best, you know, all disease starts in the gut. Mm-hmm. So with these healing foods, it really, I mean, it's part of the recovery. It's part of the journey to helping these children thrive. So it's it's really amazing. And, and also going back to the microbiome, which I love that word, and it's so great. Yeah. It, microbes, you know, <laughs> he, you know, if you were raised in an ultra pasteurization sort of generation, you know, you know, eating live bacteria sort of is counterintuitive, counterintuitive but really, you know, a diversified gut of microbes is really the the cutting edge of where medicine is going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, introduced by lacto fermentation, I mean, it is a probiotic pill that tastes delicious. And it's not, you know, a pill that we have to swallow. It's actually enhancing our food. And it has these live bacteria. Uh, the, uh, um, uh, the lactic acid is really the sugars and the starches that have been broken down um, uh, that inhibit any type of the bad bacteria that, that causes any type of mold. So it's, it's quite uh, an amazing sort of alchemy of, of science. And a great way, by the way, to get children into the kitchen, because it is a science project. Uh, my kids love to chop up the ca- cabbage. It's a way to get them se- the sensory uh, going, smelling uh, the, the 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 flavors of the um, uh, the different types of caraway seeds or the ginger, um, and they're touching the food, and that makes it similar uh, familiar to them. 
And then they're stuffing it in, and then all of a sudden, two days, three days, it's starting to bubble, and they see how this chemistry of food is, is working in front of them. And maybe by, by, by chance, with positive exposure, they're starting to eat these foods. So, uh, and, and then it just, it's just uh, an amazing, amazing food to, to bring into to your home like I said, because it does diversify our microbes. So, so if, if, you are, if your child was on a lot of antibiotics, this counteracts that, that deficit. So um, it's, it's, it's so brilliant. It's the wisdom of these traditional foods is right there. Now I have a question for you. So Michelle has recipes that I can't even pronounce, but they look so good. And what's sitting in front of us, and again, check out the, fa- the Facebook pictures and the Instagram pictures that Lisa's been posting. It's unbelievable. Oh, we have to get the beak of us out, too. Um, but oh, no, Michelle, will pe- so you are going to be starting a blog with your, with your recipes? Yes, back to the bone broth. Uh, my blog is also simmering for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> but people will be able to get the recipes eventually or to see that. Oh, I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited to spread the word of, 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 of by the way, of these brilliant people before. You know, before us, I mean, Sally Fallon, uh, uh, this this uh, popular popularized all of these um, wonderful tr- traditional cuisines. And if you were to buy one cookbook, that's that's the cookbook mm-hmm. to help you start your traditional uh, food uh, uh, cuisine. Um, so yes, the, so you can find me on LinkedIn uh, or on Facebook uh, under Michelle Pesci, and uh, and um, hopefully I'll come on again, and, and the blog will be up, and we can talk more about food. And the, the the website that people can learn about how to make bone broth and how to make fermented vegetables is WestonPrice.org, and you can learn yeah, about some of the traditional right. foods that Michelle is talking about. Mm-hmm. And I have a question for documenting hope. So you're gonna so as we mentioned before, and we, we're going to speak about an event in a minute that you all have to hear about, which is unbelievable. But a quick question about the documentary itself. So it'll be following the 14 kids over the 18 months. Is nutrition, like when you said that there's a, the doctors are following this as well, is nutrition a very large part of that 18-month treatment? It's foundational. I mean, it is foundational. One of the things that I, I find um, happens to me in my journeys is I talk to families who have impacted kids and are looking to um, help recover their child is they're going to a million different kinds of practitioners. You know, they might even be doing the holistic stuff, going to acupuncturists or doing brain balance or doing all these different things. But the one piece that's missing is a bio-individualized, personalized nutrition plan. In other words, they're doing everything they can for the child, but they're not quite there with the food piece because it's hard. Sometimes it can feel really, really hard to change food because we love food. It's, it's, our, it's our culture. It's how we grew up. It's what our mama fed us. You know. And so if we have to change that because we have food sensitivities or because we can't tolerate wheat or, or dairy or whatever it is, it's very, very challenging for people. So what I would say is that's square one. Nutrition is absolutely foundational square one. And in the documentary, Hope Project. We're going to be making sure that every child has the nutritional program that they need as an individual. There's no one singular diet. There's no one singular thing. It's not like you can do gluten-free, dairy-free, and you're home, you're home free. No. It, it doesn't work like that. You, you're Just like Michelle said, you have um, certain nutrients that your body needs, and so you have to tailor your diet to that. But that's not to say it can't be done. It's, it's, if you work with a qualified practitioner, it's, you can find the foods that, that your child needs. Um, so that's a, a critical part of the Documenting Hope Project, and it's a critical part of what I think parents can do on their own to help get their child on the road to recovery. And Mary, let me ask you, what have you done as far as, so with, and, and you said even with Annie as well, yeah. what have you done nutritionally with your guys? Well, it's interesting because it has been the domino effect for us. I mean, once we sort of started 
you know, diving into Connor's nutritional needs and looking sort of at his immune system, all his test results and what was going on, you know, we started to take out gluten and dairy and <clears throat> casein and um, eggs and all these things. And slowly but surely, you know, it was out of the, it was out of the house. And so then, you know, I was like, well, if I'm going to get Connor tested, why don't I just see what's going on with Annie? Because, you know, her situation gut-wise wasn't so great. And as I just said to you, I got some results back for her lately. I was like, you know, well, wow, you know, not as, not that great. She's not following along with the same dietary, you know, plan as Connor. But, um, you know, it just, it, it kept on happening. And then I decided to do it. And I turned out worse than both of them. So, it, you know, which actually made sense, you know, and um, product of the 80s, you know, I mean, what we ate back then. So we all love our SpaghettiOs and Sour yeah. Patch Kids and Coke. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, it's like a two note sort of flavor that we, we have as an American diets, but yeah. we have five flavors and think of the music you can make. You know, with those five flavors, it's, true. it's, it's amazing. True. Yeah. We just have to awaken our palates. I'm having five flavors of music going on with the bone broth I'm drinking right now. I'm drinking Michelle's bone broth, which is phenomenal. Now, and that is a great segue because I think the bone broth will be available at an event we're going to talk about right now, um, which we're all very involved in, as well as Lisa Berkery, um, who's, who's very busy with the pictures. And I'm telling you guys, you have to look at the pictures of this food. It's unbelievable. Um, so next Thursday night, January 28th, we are hosting, uh, co-hosting Morph Mom and the Documenting Hope Project, and all of us in the room tonight are co-hosting an event, and I'm actually going to let um, Beth and Mary... Oh, wait, we have a caller, Lisa Berkery. Welcome to Morph Mom Moments. You're on the air. Do you have a question? Oh, did we hit the wrong button? Yeah, I think it was Hold on. <laughs> okay, that's You might have to call back. There are a lot of buttons we have to figure out right now. <laughs> so please call back. Um, now, we only have a few minutes, so if you're going to call, I'm going to quickly tell the, uh, ask Mary and Beth to discuss the event and um, call back if you would like. Okay, so uh, next Thursday, January 28th, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., we are holding an event, um, and it will be at uh, Mole House, which is a production house in Soho. And um, we are having some amazing speakers. We're having a panel of speakers, including Dr. Martha Herbert of Harvard Medical School, Sylvia Fogel, Dr. Sylvia Fogel, who's a clinical psychiatrist from Columbia University, both of whom are on our medical advisory board. One of our other guests is Susanna Meadows, who is a um, columnist for the New York Times and an author of an upcoming book about um, illnesses and how they've been reversed in many people. And she herself um, went on a recovery journey to reverse her son's juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And we're also hearing from a family who um, reversed autism. There is going to be a mom and a, a college-age student who is, made a full recovery from autism. He was diagnosed at four and recovered from autism by the time he was eight, and they have an incredible story. So that's um, our event, and you know, people can talk to Dr. Herbert and Dr. Fogel and our other panelists. Um, we're also having Stephanie Middleburg who, of Middleburg Nutrition in the city. So it's really going to be an amazing opportunity for people to hear inspiring stories of hope and recovery and also get a chance to talk to some of the doctors who are involved in some of this amazing groundbreaking work. And to sign up, um, you can go to morphmom.com, again, M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com, or go to documentinghope.com. And you can sign up directly through Documenting Hope, actually, for the event. If worse comes to worse, show up that night. We will let you in, I promise. Um, also, Mary Beth, 
I'm, I'm Mary, Beth, and Michelle, and Lisa Berkery, and I will all be there as well. But you can speak to them in person that night. Michelle will have recipes that night, hopefully. Ikavas with a little vodka in it. <laughs> oh, and we have a caller. And we're going to hit the, I hope. Oh, oh. Oh, you know what? I think we're going to have to hold off on the call, so please come to the event because we're about to sign off. Please come next Thursday night. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next Thursday. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at amvets.org. Hi, I'm Janice Ian. Do you remember how excited you were at the start of summer every year and how the summer just started to drag on after a few months and you couldn't wait to get back to school, see your old friends, make new friends, get new books and a new locker and a clean slate? Well, you should have been excited about music class, too, because that was a special room where you went to sing, perform with your friends, and learn all kinds of interesting stuff about great composers, instruments, different kinds of music and songs. We remember our music teachers because they were so passionate about helping us learn to love music. They helped to spark a love for listening to notes and voices and rhythms that continues to enrich our lives even today. I bet your kids feel the same way about music class. Ask them. And make sure they get involved with music in school and in their lives. A PSA brought to you by MENC, the National Association for Music Education, and the National Anthem Project, the campaign to restore America's voice through music education. Music, part of a sound education. Today's entertainment has been brought to you in part by Galito's Restaurant. Galito's specializes in Portuguese cuisine. In addition to these delicacies, Galito's offers pasta, steaks, seafood, and chops. A full-service bar includes wines, beers, and spirits to complement your meal. Galito's offers casual ambiance at the bar or their dining room. Galitos also has a private banquet room for social events with a party package to accommodate your budget. Galitos also offers seasonal cafe seating. Galitos is located at 29 Elm Avenue in Mount Vernon, New York, conveniently located across from the Mount Vernon East train station. You can call Galitos at area code 914-668-0100. Once again, the number is area code 914-668-0100 for information on reservations 